Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. I want to thank you guys for being in God's house on the first Sunday of 2021. And I don't know if, uh, if you know it or not, but this is a jubilee year for Destiny Church. Uh, we are completing our second uh, set of seven uh, since the inception, the planting of our church. So uh, we started on 2007. Uh, that's the, the uh, really the first uh, day of 2007, our church became official. And so 2007, 2014, and we're about to go into 2021. So this is a year of jubilee for Destiny Church. And I want you to partner with me in that, you know, like uh, whoever was clapping, lead us out. Whoever started clapping, lead us out. All right. I'm telling y'all what, this ought to be a year of things that we leave in the past. One of those I'm, I'm telling you that I'd love for us to leave in, a pa- in the past. If somebody steps out and starts clapping like that, don't leave, don't leave a brother hanging. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like if somebody starts to clap, clapping is a, is a physical amen, basically. And, um, and, and so, you know, in 2021, I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm looking forward to a time for the church to get aggressive. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just kind of tired of the passive church. Um, I'm tired of the, of the, you know, let's look around and wait and see if anybody else is going to do it. I'm tired of that. I'm like, I want to be the person down front leading the, the movement. I want to be with that group. I want to just, just rush it, man. And I love that, that verse of scripture. I believe it was talking about Joshua and Caleb where it says they ran to the battle. Like they didn't wait, wait around and say like, hey, y'all with me? Like they didn't care who was following them. They ran to the battle. And I want 2021 to, to be a year where we as a church are aggressive in what we do, not passive. Uh, you know, the, the, the way that the church, uh, we, our, really our country has gotten in the state that it's in is because the church has been passive. I mean, it really has. It's been passive on racial matters. It's been passive on political matters. It's been passive on spiritual matters. It's been passive on cultural matters. It's been passive on, you know, educational matters. But you know who hadn't been passive? Hmm? Yeah, but that ain't the answer I'm looking for. That's a good answer, but it's not the answer I'm looking for. Who? Satan. Man, he ain't passive. He is, he is, he takes his job seriously. If the church took its job as seriously as Satan takes his job, we would be whipping some, some, some devil tail. But it is time for the church to get aggressive. I'm, I'm just telling you, man. And, um, and, and in getting aggressive, we're going to have to uh, call people on the carpet a little bit. People don't like to be called on the carpet. You, you know what I'm saying? People do not like to be held accountable. As a matter of fact, 
you know, uh, part of my job every week is to hold the church accountable. The, the, the role of a prophet is to hold the church accountable, to stay, keep a church in alignment with what God's word says. And, you know, it's, it's time for us, if we're going to be aggressive, we're going to have to hold people accountable and we're going to have to be held accountable. Are you following me? You're going to have to do a little bit of both. You're going to have to submit yourselves and let somebody speak into you when you are uh, either out of alignment or, or whatever and let the Lord speak to you through someone and then you're going to have to be spoken to as well. You know, so you speak to someone and someone speak to you as well. And so... You know, as we were getting ready for this year, usually I start asking the Lord, Lord, what do you have for the next year? Where do you want to lead the church in the next year? And I begin hearing the Lord towards the end of the year uh, uh, speaking about digging wells. He said, I specifically heard the Lord say, it is time for the church to redig the wells. And so I just heard that immediately. And, you know, I've never preached on redigging wells. I never really preached on wells, never really went into any of that. But I distinctly heard the Lord say, it is time to redig the wells. And as I begin to ask the Lord, 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 what are you talking about? And the Lord said, there are so many wells that have been filled in. Now, if you go back in the book of Genesis and you start reading about Abraham's wells and, uh, and uh, all of the Jacob and, and all of the, 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 really the church leaders, the forefathers of the faith, uh, when Abraham, would, he would dig a well and, and when Jacob, they would dig wells. Wells are a source of life. Whoever controls the water in the world, we think it's money. But if you control water, you control the world. That's, and I don't know if you know it or not, but uh, Israel and Palestine, uh, Syria really, uh, you know, they, they fight over the water source over there. And they, they, they wage wars over the water source because if you have no water, you have basically death. And so water is an important commodity. And the scripture talks a lot about us being the wellspring of life. A wellspring of life. Out of you will flow rivers of living water. I am the river of life. You know, there's a lot that, that, that scripture talks about water. And I went and I read a little bit up on uh, the, these wells. And what would happen is that the enemies would go and fill in the wells with trash, debris, uh, dead animals, earth. They would do anything that they could to either pollute or fill the well so that it would not become usable. And by doing so, they would be able to drive out uh, what they considered their enemy, which was Abraham. And so uh, Jacob, he comes back in and he redigs the well and he brings the well back to life and restores it and brings it back. So the Lord's saying it's time for the church to redig some wells. There are some wells, and I don't have time to go into all of those today, but there are some wells that the church has allowed to be filled up. We've allowed, uh, let, let's just take worship uh, for one. We've allowed a, a, the well of worship to be filled in by culture. We've taken uh, the, the worship inside of the church and, and in many places, 
And we may have been guilty of that at destiny at times. But we have allowed the, the world to fill the well of worship with, cult, with the world's idea of what worship is. And we have mainly uh, uh, relegated it to a, to a concert that you can't really experience God's presence at all. It's good music. It's good singing. There's nothing wrong with that. But where's the power that's there? We got to go and redig that well and, and make that a place of healthy encounter. Uh, we, and, and that's just one. I mean, I could, I, this worship service itself has been, we've allowed culture to fill this gathering. Now, we've fought it and tried hard for that to not happen at Destiny, but we've allowed as a general church for the well of worship, the well of, of, of uh, really the corporate gathering to be filled up again by culture. And culture has begun to determine, and it, it didn't happen last year. It's been happening since the early 70s. So it's a slow fade into what it now represents. And you know I've told you, I've gone to Africa and been in different uh, in uh, Nigeria over in Africa, and you know they're, they're wanting to be like us. And I'm saying, good God, don't become like us. Don't become like the church in the United States by any means. Like we got, we got it wrong and we're, we're ahead of you. You know, whether, that might sound like an arrogant statement, but it's not. I promise you it's not. It's just a fact. You travel around the world in many places, especially second and third world countries, and you'll find that they are where the United States is like in the 80s. Even in their worship, in the church, they're, they're, they're uh, decades behind where we are. And so when we, when we go over there, we see where they are and we're like, oh, we remember that season. We were there in the 1980s. So we're about 20, 30, 40 years of, uh, ahead of some of these places. And so we can tell them, we were there, we did this, it didn't turn out well. Course correct, very quickly, or in 40 years you will be what we have become. Are you following me? This is good. It's important that we hear this. And so, you know, we've got to redig some wells. And I'm telling you, I have been saying for years, like, if you've been around here, you know I'm telling the truth. Like, in this room, everything that happens in this room is for an audience of one. It's for His glory. All of the affection is centered on Him. That's what we're here for. Is we're here. It's called a worship service. And like if you're new to us today, if you happen to walk in and you don't know like what setting or tradition or type of church that you came in, we are a full gospel, apostolic, Bible-believing, Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-empowered church. That's who we are. And this kind of church, don't let them pat a cake by themselves, you know. This church will always be that as long as, as God has his anointing on me to be the leader. And it doesn't mean that we aren't sensitive to people who come in and they're just beginning their faith or they haven't begun it at all. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean is that we cannot, we cannot bring everything in this room down to your understanding. 
Honestly, we don't have time for that. And I respect you and I love you. But you're talking about a guy who is absolutely ignorant about football. Pastor Rife, what does that have to do? All right, I'm going to tell you. The guy down on the field, I don't even know. It, I see some of them with little stripes on their outfits and stuff. I don't know if they're called umpires, referees, or whoever they are. But I can tell you what, that whenever I go in there, they don't have time to stop everything in the stadium to explain to me up in the cheap seats everything that's going on. They don't have time to explain why they threw the little flag on the field or why they walk out with those big old things that they stick in the ground. And, you know, I guess those things mean something. Uh, they don't have time to tell me those things. I never did understand. 42, 89, 64, you know, uh, 2.1. I, I never did understand the numbers that they're calling out. I don't know what any of that stuff means. What they expect me to do is, hey, if you think what happens here is exciting and, and it interests you a little bit, we expect for you to catch on. If you don't know what the little flag uh, or, or handkerchief or whatever that thing is that they throw down on the ground, they expect you to ask, what does that mean when he throws that thing down? What does it mean when they do the number? What, is, what does it mean when they pull that thing out there? What, is it, what do all of these things mean? They expect for you to do something to learn what's happening in the environment. The same way, we've got to understand what happens here. We'd, I don't have time every service to do a theological dissertation on the spiritual gifts. I just, I try, if there's a tongues and interpretation, a prophetic word, or uh, somebody is, uh, is, is overwhelmed in his presence and they just kind of lay out in the floor there, I try my best at times to just say, what's happening right now in the spirit is this, boom, and move on. But I don't have time in every situation, in every service, to, to, to go into this long dissertation about what's happening. I expect you, if you are truly uh, searching for the Lord, if you are truly wanting to go deeper, I expect you to ask questions and, and say, why did they do that? Or why did they do this? Or, 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 or why does the guy up here strum on a guitar a certain way and it gets louder? At you know, I just expect you to ask questions if you don't understand. There's nothing wrong with asking questions, especially if you are seeking knowledge. We've got to redig some wells. And so, as the Lord was speaking to me about this, he placed this scripture in my heart. And it's Proverbs 4.23. And it says, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Some versions of scripture say, For it is a wellspring of life. It is a wellspring of life. So, guarding our heart because everything... Everything that we do flows from our heart. And so today I want to share with you uh, what our declaration is for 2021. Now with the exception of our pastors on staff, you guys are the first people to see this today. And it, flow, it, it flows right along with this scripture. And this is our declaration for 2021. That I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word. For everything I do flows from it. That's basically 
taking uh, Proverbs 4.23 and just adding a little bit about alignment to it. But if I will guard my heart and constantly guard your heart, like we can never grow weary of guarding our heart. When you begin to not guard your heart and check where you are spiritually, you are on, your, you are on a path to spiritual slumber. When you constantly check your heart, you are, it, it's like you're shaking yourself, you know? I don't know if y'all have ever driven and you feel yourself dozing off at the wheel. That's not a good... I've actually fell asleep at the wheel and run off the interstate. It, it was scary. Shay was laying in back seat asleep without a seat belt. We were college kids. She woke up screaming, Almighty Jesus. I ain't lying. She was screaming for Jesus. And Jesus, I'm telling you what, he took the wheel. I'm, I'm serious. The Lord blessed us. But you ever, you ever been getting drowsy and, and you got to like shake yourself? or like I, I'll take and slap myself in the face. And I mean, I'll haul off and slap me good. Because I'm like, I know what it's like running off an interstate. And then you sitting and thinking, oh my God, it could have been there. Or oh my God, it could have been there. But we just ran off in, in this very open space. The Lord was looking out for us. But I'll constantly guard my heart so that I won't fall asleep. I'll constantly guard my heart and align it with God's word. Because everything I do flows from it. All right, so you all ready to practice it a little bit? All right, let's say it together. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything I do flows from it. Let's do it again, okay? Let's get that rhythm. Like, we're going to get it every Sunday. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything I do flows from it. Isn't that powerful? That when we guard our heart and align it with the word, everything you do flows out of that. So if it's aligned with the word, I can't go wrong. But if, I've, if I haven't guarded my heart and I'm beginning to line things up with fear, church, the, the church aligned itself with fear this year or last year. The church aligned itself with fear last year. It got out of alignment with God's holy word. I'm preaching the truth whether you like it or not. It got out of alignment with God's holy word. There are still believers out of alignment with God's holy word. And I'm telling you what, like you need to get over the COVID thing. There are a lot of people in our church that are at home sick today and you probably at home uh, watching online that you're at home and you're, uh, you're battling COVID. Can I tell you, you're going to be successful. You're, gonna, you're going to overcome it. But we're going to get past it. Come on, don't leave them patty taking. You're going to get over it. You're going to get over it. We're going to get through it. It's going to be all right. We're going to go forward. It's time for the church to get aggressive. 
We've not shamed anybody here that wears masks. I wear a mask occasionally myself uh, in different situations. That's okay, and if you want to do that, that's absolutely fine. But I'm telling you what, it's time for the church to get aggressive. It's time for the church to step forward. It's time for the church to, to put some of this thing behind us. And so this is our declaration this year. Let's go. Let's say it again. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word. For everything I do flows from it. So today I want you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. And if you'll notice, this is where we were last week. I didn't especially plan for us to be uh, in the same passage that we were last week. It just worked out that way. And so Matthew chapter 7, we'll get there in just a second. But today I want to start... Uh, a new series that we'll be in for about five weeks, and this series is called Ship Shape. And uh, Ship Shape, if you ever uh, have heard that term before, my mom used to walk through the house and she said, I want to make sure this place is ship shape. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, when she used that word, it put the fear of God in me. Because she meant, I want everything in its place. And that's where the word comes from. Where uh, on a ship, because there's so little space on a ship, so little storage. Everything had to be in its place. Everything had to be orderly. And when the captain walked through, he was looking for things to be in ship shape, to be in order. Well, we're, this whole series is going to uh, talk about uh, different words that end in ship. And it really is how God shaped us to be as his children. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if you un have, if, if you even know what that little symbol behind ship shape is, but it's really an illustration of Leonardo da Vinci's uh, ink drawing of the Vitruvian man. And uh, Vitruvius was this uh, Roman architect, and he had this theory that the body is perfectly proportioned. And, you know, I think, I, I got some folks I could point out today and say, well, that, I, I, I can disprove that, you know. <laughs> I, I'm just being honest with you. Uh, you know, I'm not in uh, perfect proportion. Shay and I, we've been talking about that, and it's like, you know, hey, i got to get rid of that little bit uh, of pudge going on there. But anyway, his, his theory was that the human body is perfectly proportioned. And so, um, you know, he wasn't the first person that talked about the body and every part being perfectly proportioned for how he created it. Jesus said, there's one body, but there's many parts. And every part has an especially important part. The ear can't be the eye, and the eye can't be the nose. The nose can't be the mouth, and the mouth can't be the little toe. The little toe can't be the knee, and the knee can't be the elbow. Every piece has its part, and every part is important. It's not necessarily equal, equally important, but it's proportionately important. The elbow might be smaller than my cranium, but I'm telling you what, until you had a, el a, a problem with your elbow, you don't know how important that is. My knee is not as big uh, as my stomach. 
But I'm telling you what, you have a problem with your knee. And you'll find out real quick how important it is. And so God, he talks, when he talks about the body, man, the body is important. And God has shaped each and every one of us for certain things. And so I want to leave with you today this thought. That God, he's designed us for different ships. Well, relationship is one of them. God designed me for relationship with him. God designed you for a relationship with him. When God had the idea of people, you know, if he had this idea of me and you, and so he's like, I, I've got, he's this great architect. He thought this idea up, and he's like, I think I'm going to put skin on it. I'm going to wrap it up in flesh. I'm going to give it emotions and personality and intellect. If you and I didn't have all that, we would just be spirits, which is really what we are at the core. But he put us in this bodysuit. And so when he created Adam and Eve, the first two that Scripture says that there were, he created them for relationship. And we know that because the Scripture says that in the cool of the day, that he would come down and he would walk with them and just talk with them and, you know, and show them the animals and ask them, Adam, what are you going to name this one? What are you going to name that one? What are you going to do with that section of the garden over there? And he would enjoy their time. So we were created for his pleasure. We were created for relationship. If you think about it, the natural always mirrors the supernatural. Now, I don't know about you, you might have had a kid, and that kid might have come along. Like my parents uh, always told me that I was uh, a slip-up. I was number six out of seven of us. And my, my little sister and I were not supposed to happen. And I'm so glad we did. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thankful uh, that they slipped up. But we didn't have slip-ups. Shay and I didn't have slip-ups. Both of our children were made for our pleasure. We loved our kids. We planned them. We dreamed about them. Uh, we, we're, we wanted those kids. And so we created those children for our pleasure. And we created no more. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but two pleasures is enough for me and Shane. <laughs> I, I give it to some of y'all that got five or six pleasures, but like our two pleasures, we're going to go away with them this week and we're going to enjoy them. That's the same thing God did with us. He created us for his pleasure. He loves spending time with us. He loves co-creating with us. He loves being with us. And here's what relationship is called with the Lord. Relationship with Jesus is called lordship. Now we're going to talk about relationship with other people. That's called something else. That's called friendship. But relationship with the Lord is called lordship. What is lordship? Well, let's look in Matthew chapter 7 real quick. Start at verse 15. This is where we started last week. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. 
That is by the way they act. Can you pick graves from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit. Just like you can do that, so you can identify people by their actions. Now, verse 21, he says, Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven. I want to stop right there. He says, not everybody who calls me Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody that calls me Lord. And then over in verse uh, 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 in Matthew chapter 25, it goes a little bit further. And they say, but Lord, didn't we do this in your name? And Lord, didn't we do this in your name? And the Lord says, I don't know who you are. Because see, there you have to understand, there's just doing religious acts does not mean that the Lord blesses that or that the Lord is, is, uh, is, is going to be in relationship with you. You can do good acts all day long and it actually be from very evil people. I see this happening all the time. You see it happen in world leaders. You see it happen on a, on a very personal scale. But there are people a lot of times that, you know, it looks like they're doing something good, but those people are really evil people. You know, sometimes you see in a movie that there's a drug dealer. He's the neighborhood drug dealer. But he goes and he buys some sneakers for the neighborhood kid. Well, that's a good thing to help a kid to... You know, Jesus said, if someone needs a coat, give them your coat. If someone needs a pair, you know, so he's, he's living out something that actually looks good. But does that make him good? No. Good works don't make us good people. But what we have to do is we have to look and this, he says, not everybody that calls me Lord, they think that I'm they're Lord, but everybody calls me Lord. And so, you know, we don't use the word Lord outside of an, uh, a religious context, a spiritual context. But in England, they use the word Lord all the time. But they use the word Lord, lowercase l-o-r-d, like we use sir. Like, yes, my Lord. Yes, sir. But... The capital L means something totally different. When you capitalize that, just like you capitalize sir uh, in, in England, it automatically means knighthood. But when we capitalize the word Lord, it means something totally different. It means lordship. It means a position of rulership or status. And so... The Lord is basically differentiating here that there are people that call him Lord, lowercase, but not Lord, uppercase. Like he has a place of recognition in their life, but not a place of really uh, rulership in their life. And so I want you to look at this real quick. Let's look at this scripture. Because I want us to look at, like, what does lordship look like? This is where Jesus has 
the man has basically come and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, you know, and Jesus says, well, what's the most important commandment? What's, what's, what's important? And he, this is how he answers. He said, the man answered, you must love the Lord, capital L. You must love the Lord your God, and he's fixing to tell you how to love him. With what? All. In some versions it says, with your whole heart. But you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We'll go there next week. And look at Jesus' answer here. Look at, look at his answer. I mean, he's like, right! You know, he's like, you got it! Do this and you will live. And the word that he uses there uh, is a derivative of the word zoe, zoe life. The Greek word zoe, which means, dude, that's the real way to live. It's the most healthy, most wholesome, best way of living. If you live that way, if you, if you do this, you must love the Lord with your whole heart, with, you, with your whole mind, with your whole strength, with, with everything, with your whole soul, everything. So what does lordship look like? Like, you know, what is that going to look like for us? Well, look at this. Jesus as Savior demands nothing of us. But Jesus as Lord demands everything from us. This is so important for us to get, guys, because most people are just living. And you've heard me say this a, a, a few times over the last few weeks. Most people are living in a relationship with the Lord, uh, really not even with the Lord. They're, they're living with Jesus as their Savior. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, and that's about as far as I have gotten in my relationship for the last 30 years. No. That it, I mean, exactly what Larry was reading to us today. The Lord expects us to bear fruit. If he's given you the ability to do this, like, see, let me just break it down for you. That parable of the talents is so powerful. The parable of the talent is one talent, and talent represents, uh, it's basically is a form of currency. So if the Lord gives one talent, and then three talents, and then five talents, all right? All right, now let's break that down into not, not uh, monetary, but like literal abilities, okay? So let's just say that Quentin has the ability to sing, all right? But... But you don't have the ability, Ellis, to sing. I'm not saying you don't, but let's just say. Well, you don't have to live up to his ability to sing. You just make a noise. If it comes out terrible, God loves it. Doesn't matter what we think, God loves it. But you are an incredible um, teacher, okay? But he's not. But he doesn't have to live up to your standard. He doesn't have to. He's not, God is not going to hold him responsible for teaching when he doesn't have that gift. Vice versa, he's not going to hold you responsible for singing when he didn't give you that gift. God's going to hold you responsible for teaching. God's going to hold you responsible for singing. 
And if someone else, he gives a gift of generosity, he's going to hold you responsible for this. Look, you know, I, I want the Lord to give me the gift of incredible wealth. I do. Because I'm a generous person. And I believe, you know, I'm going to give out of what the Lord's given to me. And if I'm just a one-talent person in this world, so be it. But I'm going to invest that one talent. I'm going to invest it and do the best I can with it. You know what I'm saying? And so the Lord, when, when He is, is just our Savior, we're just living at this place of I'm saved I'm going to heaven, but that is not all God expects from us, guys. That's where, if I can just be brutally honest with you, that's where the majority of God's living church is at. Is I'm just cool with not going to hell. I'm just cool with not spending an eternity away from the Lord. You understand that God expects us to bear fruit. When Larry read that, ta that about the talents, when the Lord comes, he's going to say, what have you done with what I gave you? When we are in relationship with him as Lord, the Lord demands everything. It's a whole different level of relationship. Is he your Lord? And it's really kind of a trick question. Because God is Lord. We say a lot of times, will you make him Lord of your life? Listen, you don't make God Lord. He is already Lord. The scripture says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So when you came into the world, how much wealth did you come into it with? How much skill did you come into it with? Nothing. You may have been born with certain innate ability that God gave you, but you don't even know it until you start developing it and somebody helps you develop those skills. But you didn't even get those by yourself. He gave those to you. How many houses did you come into the world with? How many clothes did you come into the world with? But naked. How many jobs did you come into the world with? So what did you come into the world with? Where did the stuff that you got come from? It didn't come from God. I did it on my own. I did this out of my... Listen, God gave, woke you up today. He put the breath in your body. He put the umph in your step. He gave you everything. Do not come at that with that consumeristic mentality that... That, you know, that I worked hard for this. You only worked hard for it because the Lord has sustained you and given you health and prosperity and favor. That's why you have what you have because it's God's blessing on your life. And so, you know, God even ha has this marginal blessing where he just blesses everybody. Even, un e even evil, evil people are blessed to a certain degree. God just has, there are certain laws that he's put into place that are just, hey, if, it doesn't matter if a good person, if a bad person, evil per, if you work the principles, the laws that God set into motion, if you just work those, there's a certain amount of blessing just in working the laws that God set up. 
Hard work is one of them. And so evil people can even be blessed to a certain degree. I know it's hard for us to understand that, but God loves evil people. God doesn't see evil people and go, man, they really get on my nerves and I'm just, I can't wait to kill them. Honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be glad to send them to hell one day. That's, the Lord mourns over evil people. The Lord mourns over people that don't know him. He, he, you know, he, he created us with emotions because he has emotions. He grieves over the lost. It's a painful thing for our Lord when people have not made him Lord of their lives. But he is Lord. It's only are you living in relationship with him as Lord. He's Lord over everything you got, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. But are you living in relationship with him as Lord? Man, it's time for the church to get more aggressive in their relationship. I remember, you know, again, everything in the natural uh, or in the uh, spiritual mirrors itself. And it re it's reflected in the natural. I remember when there was a time where Shay was just an acquaintance of mine. Are you following me? I just saw her. She's a girl I went to school with. Then she ended up, there was a girl that I went to church with. We happened to start going to her church. And there was a day that came in my life where I'm like, I'm ready to take this relationship to another level. Now, I was ready before she was ready. But I'm like, hey, let's take it up a notch. And I, we started dating. And then we took it up another notch. And we became engaged. And we took it up a notch. And we became married. And we took it up a notch. And we began to do life and have kids and all of this stuff together. But it wasn't always like that. She literally at one point was just an acquaintance. God is ready to stop dating us. He's ready to stop, you know, just uh, being, being our, uh, our tender, uh, you know, relationship. Where, you know, we, we, we have this acquaintance with him. God is ready to get intimate with this church. He's ready to take it to the next level. Like, you're not waiting on him. He's waiting on you. He's waiting for you to take the next step. And when we take that step, there are going to be some things that are going to be demanded of us. Whenever Shay and I were dating, you know, uh, I, she, you know I, I try to be transparent with you guys. And I'm not going to say anything that will embarrass uh, us, I don't think. But anyway, uh, you know, I was a man of the world. I had many girlfriends, you know, I mean, just come on, can you? But for my, for my lovely girl that I'm, like, she didn't have a lot of boyfriends. She was a good girl. I was not so good, but she was a good girl, and that's what attracted me to her. Like, all these others over here, like, man, they had just been had, but not anybody with her. That's what attracted me to her. That's, I prayed for her. I'm serious. I prayed God would give her to me as a wife. When I was 17 years old, I started praying for her. 
And look at where we are almost 34 years later. But you know what? Our relationship, when we sat down, it's like, now she's my only girl. It has some demands. Like, she had some demands on me. There were some things. I mean, honestly, she made me give up some stuff that I'm like, I, I didn't agree with, but I wanted her, so I, I did it anyway. But isn't that a picture of, the, of, of our relationship with the Lord? She made me tear up my pictures of my old girlfriends. I'm like, these are just pictures. She's like, well, if you got this, you don't need that. Like, you shouldn't, and you remember that? You make him remember? Oh, yeah, you. <laughs> made me tear up the pictures of my old girlfriends. But you know what? She demanded it of me. And you know what? I did it. I didn't want to. I thought about telling her I did and not doing it. But I really wanted a relationship with her. So she asked me and I did it. And I literally, I tore them up. I tore the photos up and threw them away. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What are commandments? Demands. That's what they are. If you love me, you'll keep these. Because Jesus doesn't demand things because he's just temperamental and, you know, uh, impossible to live with. He demands them because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. When she demanded that I get rid of those pictures, it was the right thing to do. Because if you want to start something here, brother, you need to put the past behind you. I want to know, are you invested in this thing? And I'm like, I'm invested, baby. <laughs> I'm invested. God wants to know, are you invested? So what does discipleship, uh, or sorry, lordship look like? This is what lordship looks like. It, it looks like worshiping with my whole, and I'm telling you what, what I'm fixing to put on the screen, you've already seen it, but God gave me this little revelation a few weeks ago. And I'm telling you what, this framework is something that you can truly look at every area of your life. Uh, every message that I preach, everything that you teach, if you'll use this framework, it, I'm telling you, it is the way to keep your heart in check, to keep your guard, heart guarded, all right? So lordship is worshiping the Lord with my whole heart. When you look at scripture, when it talks about heart, it's not talking about your physical heart, not the cardia. It's talking about your spirit. Love the Lord with your whole spirit, who you are. Who you really are. Your spirit man. To be in alignment with him. And so when he says. Uh, uh, worship me. Love me with your whole heart. Your whole spirit. Like connecting our spirit to his spirit. What does that mean? It means what does God say about it? If I'm connecting my spirit to his spirit. Okay. God, what are you saying about it? Because I want my spirit to be lined up with your spirit. So it doesn't matter if it's your marriage, your parenting, your finances, relationships with people, your health, 
Whatever your situation is, if you want to bring it into alignment and guard your heart, what does God say about it first in the supernatural? Then your soul. Because I'm just laying out what the scripture, it says you must worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So my soul, your soul is, your, is basically your emotions, your passions, your, your personality. How do you feel about it? Has God ever said something to you and it's like, well, I don't like that? Okay, me and about three people are the only one. There are times that the Lord says stuff to me and I'm like, I don't like that, God. There are things in Scripture that when I read the Scripture, I'm like, I just wish that would have been one of those books that got lost. That we never, you know, there are, there are, there are books in the Bible that were written like we only have First and Second Corinthians. We know there's at least one more letter that Paul wrote, but we don't know where it, it is. It could be destroyed or in some cave somewhere over there, which is where they found a lot of the scripts. But, you know, I'm like, there are times I read the scripture and I'm like, I just wish that that wasn't in there. But it is. So how do I feel about that? And there are times where, you know, I was reading this uh, I, I was, uh, sorry, singing this morning one of the songs. And as I was singing the song, I was uh, like, you're never going to let me down. But I feel like you have. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. But I think you have. Anybody ever felt like God let them down? As I'm singing that song, I'm having to crucify some flesh and emotions up here. Because I'm like, God, where were you when? What, what was going on at this time? God, why haven't you done this? And so as I'm singing the song, I'm... I'm I, down here in the flesh, in the spirit realm, in the flesh it looks like I'm doing this. But in, in the spirit realm, I got rife in a headlock and I'm punching, you know, and I'm like, you know, in the spirit realm, it's like I'm battling. Because I know those words are true, but in my flesh and my emotions and everything, I'm struggling with some stuff. Because there are some things in my life where I'm like, God, how long? How long? And I feel like you have let me down. It doesn't mean that feelings are reality. Can I tell you that? Does not mean feelings are reality. It doesn't matter if you feel like God has let you down. It doesn't matter if you're in a situation right now where it has it. It doesn't seem to be working, or look. It, all of the circumstances look like it's pointing in another direction. I'm just telling you, God is the God who doesn't let us down. He's the God that comes through for us. And I don't understand his timing. Sometimes his timing looks way off. But I was saying yesterday that we've got to work at the speed of God. And sometimes God's speed is like a snail. He don't work fast like we do. And sometimes he works instantaneously. But 
all in all, God knows what he's doing. His ways are higher than our ways. He has more wisdom. And while we're looking at things in a linear perspective, God is looking at a place from an eternal perspective. He works outside of time. He works outside of natural laws. I'm telling you what, just hold on. God is in control. And there are times where you got to get a hold of your emotions you got to calm down. You've got to just, I don't know what it looks like for you. It might be go out for a long walk or, or, or punch the wall or something like that. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's the best idea. It's probably dumb. So don't punch the wall. Okay, I'll take that back. But whatever, what does it look like for you? To me, I'm a processor, and I I just have to get away from everybody sometimes, and I just have to calm down, and I have to reflect on what's going on. But there are times that we got to get our emotions under control. Most of the time, things that are done with our emotions, that we work on our emotions, you will say things that once you say them, you cannot, you, you can't scoop that back in your mouth. When you speak it out into the atmosphere, you've already created it. Whether you wanted to or not, you spoke life or death because it's in the power of your tongue. And so what what are my emotions saying with me? And God knows this about us because he created us with emotions and he gets it. Jesus himself got angry, but he said you can be angry and still not sin. There's a thing as such as righteous indignation, that we can be angry. We can have a, a, a lot of different emotions, but it's when the emotions begin to rule us is when the problem starts to happen. So what do we do? We look at that and we go, we got to love the Lord with all of our strength. What does strength mean? Well, it's, it's anything physical from your body to the resources that you have, the finances that you have, anything that's tangible. It could even be uh, an act, which is basically the, the kinetic part of your body. My body, I could just stand here all day, or I could put it in action and do something with it for the Lord. So lordship is all about worshiping the Lord with my whole body. So what does God say about it? How do I feel about it? And then, physically, what is it that I need to do about it? If you don't like your marriage, what does God say about it? How do you feel about it? What do you need to do about it? Well, I don't need to do nothing. She needs to do something. What do you need to do about it? What do you need to do about it? What's something that you need to step out and do that you're not doing or something that you're doing that you need to not do, something that you need to modify or change. And then he says, worship the Lord with all of your mind. And this is where we begin to bring our mind in alignment with God's word. Now, if it were me, and it wasn't, but if it were me, listening to the Holy Spirit and writing things out, I would have done that verse differently and I would have said heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I don't guess it would matter if we inverted them, but I truly believe that the words are on the pages in the Scripture in the right order that God put them in. And so as much as I would like for them to be in a different order because it makes a little more sense to me, I believe this is how we need to study it, to love Him with all of our heart, 
getting our, God, what are you saying? Because I need to be saying what you say. Where do we get that from? Anybody know? I'll give you a minute. That's it. I only do what I see my father do. And I only say what I hear my father say. That's what Jesus did. So if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we've got to be like, God, what do you say about my marriage? What do you say about my relationship with my kids? God, what do you say about my finances? God, what do you say? Because what you say is really what I need to come in alignment with. Well, God says, I think that you need to uh, go make amends. Or I think you should uh, begin to tithe. Or I think you should uh, stop doing this or whatever. Well, I don't like that, God. Do you love me? Do you want to do what I'm saying? Or you want me to change my mind to fit your mind? No, we're supposed to put on the mind of Christ. What does he say? How do you feel about it? And I'm just saying, it's okay. I, I, I have come to this place because I lived in religious sphere for a lot, lot of years of my life. And I felt like I had to be fake to God. <laughs> That is ludicrous. God sees right through me. You can't, you can't be fake with God. And so for the longest time, I was angry at God. And I felt like I couldn't let him know. As if he didn't know. And then I finally came to the place of, well, God, I love you and you love me. And we're supposed to be open in our relationship. And we're supposed to be completely transparent because you see everything. I can't hide it from you. So I might as well just confess, I'm mad at you. Any of y'all ever had to forgive God? I've had to forgive God. I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't see it anywhere in scripture. But there, there have been times in my life where I'm like, God, I'm mad at you. I don't like this. And I'm, I feel like you've let me down. I feel like you haven't come through for me. And it's like, God, I'm mad. And I've had to come to that place where I'm like, Lord, I think I need, I think I need to forgive you. And I'm not trying to make any theological case. I'm just really kind of playing out my basket case in front of y'all. But I did. I'm like, Lord, I forgive you. I forgive you. And I ask you to forgive me for holding things against you. And forgive me for not understanding. Because I know that you're good and you're for my good. And you're working things out on a level I don't understand. And so, you know... I'm telling you what, when you have a relationship with the Lord like that, it just, he, 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 he'll work it out. He'll work it out. And you'll grow in your relationship. And I tell you what, I have found that being open and honest in my relationship with the Lord like that is one of the most freeing things that I could have ever done. And it actually is a maturing thing for me in my relationship with the Lord. He's okay with me telling him how I feel. Because he created me with emotion. 
And then there are just things that I go, well, there are some things I have to physically do. I have to change in my life. And when I do all of that, it begins to line my mind up with the Word. My mind up with His Word. You know, I sometimes look at that and I go, uh, maybe, maybe we should put the mind there. Because if you, if you get your mind right, then you'll start acting right. I don't think that's really the way it is. I think probably that's why the Lord allowed it to be put in that order. No, start doing. And when you begin to do it, and you begin to practice it, it'll begin to change your mind. You know, there are so many times in Scripture where the Lord said, I know the water's not parting, just walk in the water. Well, that, that sounds crazy to me doesn't it? I'm like, nope, you part the water first and I'll walk out there. He's like, no, it just doesn't work that way. I want to see, do you believe? Start walking. He says, give and it'll be given unto you. No, you give to me first so I'll have something to give to somebody. No. He wants to know. I trust you. You trust me? Give. When you give, you begin to open up the floodgate. When you act and you step out, you begin a process where, well, I already did it once, you know. This is what lordship looks like. Look, worshiping him with all our heart, soul, our strength, and our mind. And so I want you to say this with me as we just kind of close out our morning together. Say this with me. Say, Jesus as Savior demands nothing of us. But Jesus as Lord demands everything from us. And where I've already heard it said in this building, and I love it how the Lord sews things together in the different areas of our Sundays. I've already heard that the Lord is trying to take us from uh, just being saved to being a follower. Like from someone who just gets saved He wants to take us through to fully committed followers. And if you're a follower of Christ, this is what he said. This is what Jesus said with his own lips. He said, if any man comes to follow me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. We got to deny ourselves, and we got to say, Lord, what do you want? And I'm going to do that. And we're coming into a place this year where we're going to talk a lot about discipleship. And discipleship is something that never stops. It's a lifelong process of learning. And you and I, we're all disciples. Every one of us at every level. Some of us are at different levels. But we're all being discipled. And God wants us to go from that place where He's just our Savior. That's only the starting point. He's wanting us to come to the place of a fully committed follower. Worshiping Him with heart, soul, strength, and mind. And so how do we do that? This is how we do it. Check on where God is at. In your family. Well, first of all, your private life. Because there's a private you that not even your family knows about. There's a side of me that Shay doesn't even know. 
You follow me? I see surprised looks on your face. There's a side of her that I don't know. But there is one who knows that side, and it's him. There's a part of me and Jesus that only me and Jesus know. In that private world, where is he in that world? Like if, he, if you don't see him showing up a lot in your private world, invite him in. What about your home life? Like your family, where's God in that? Where's the Lord in that? Because sadly, some people, their only God moment is when they come to church for a couple of hours on Sunday. And that's the only God moment that they have. And when they go back home, they truly, and I don't mean to sound judgmental, I don't. But do you remember when I started this message at the very beginning? I said, it is time for us to be accountable and to hold people accountable. But there are too many Christians living at home in chaos. And you cannot expect to live the majority of your life and week in chaos and come in and expect God to do something in two hours, but you go back to chaos. Like what, where is he at home? Where is he in your work? Where is he in your resources? And you know, today, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about several families in here. Two of you are in the building today and one may be watching online. But I was thinking, you guys represent the Lord so well. And you're at, well, I'm thinking as I look out, I see a bunch of you. But you represent the Lord so well. Oh, I see another one, Jim. You represent the Lord so well in your resources. And I, and I thought specifically about your homes. Glenna, you and Harold have something that Shay and I don't have. Like, I, I think our house, we use it for the Lord, but we don't use it like y'all do. There's an anointing on y'all's life for that. We don't necessarily have that anointing, but y'all do. And you have opened your house literally for people to live with you for years at different segments. I know so many people that have lived with y'all. Now, I don't know if that's a big promotion for, for rooms at your house or not. But they, the, the Lord is the Lord there. You know, when I was thinking about them, I thought about Mayola and Greg. Mayola and Greg have done the same thing. They have made their house open. I don't think I would embarrass Quentin by saying they, they, they raised you, brought you in. as he, They're your aunt and uncle, but you're like their son. You're not the only person they've done that for. They've done it for missionaries. I look around and I was talking to Joe and how they have opened their home at Christmas time to invite people over for Christmas. And then I've met people, Jim, that they've told me how you and Miss Robin have changed their life because of your lordship over your home. Thank you all for doing that. Thank you for realizing that my house is not my house. It's the Lord's. How do I use it for him? My bank account is not mine. It's the Lord's. How do I use it for him? My, my uh, car is not mine. How do I use it for him? You know, my influence is not mine. How do I use it for him? I'm telling you what, God wants to be in every area of our life. And this is how, when you check on it, you see where God's at. If you find a place that he's not at, I want you to consider inviting him in this year. If you're not, uh, if you got talents, physical talents that you're not using for the Lord, 
I pray that you say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this this year? If you have resources as a home, a summer cabin at the lake that you want to let the Lord use it for Pastor Rife to get away or something, you know. But what do you have that you could use for the Lord? Your finances, what, what, what do you want to do? What does God want to do through that? And I'm telling you what, Larry said a bunch of important stuff this morning. Like, when you are generous, money becomes unimportant to you. And until you become generous, you don't know the truth of that. Because I wasn't always generous like that. But I'm telling you what, money is just a currency to do something with. It's, you know, things don't matter anymore. So how are we going to do 2021 differently? We're going to align our hearts with His Word. Everything we do this year is going to flow out of it. We're going to believe God this year for bigger and better than we've ever seen in our life. I believe that this is coming. I wish I could un lay out everything that we're going to, uh, that God's been speaking to us, but I don't have that much time today. So I'm going to continue next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next all throughout this month. This is not Vision Sunday. It's Vision Month. And yeah, it's Vision Year. That's good. Thank you for raising the bar. But there are some things that I want to share with you, but I, I, I don't want to, uh, I can't do it today because uh, I just throw a bunch of stuff out. I want Next week, I'll come back and I'll tell you a little bit more of what God's speaking to us. But this month is a month of vision for us. And if you can't be here in service, I pray that you will at least follow up online and that you'll, you'll come and listen to the message. Because if you don't, you'll, you'll have gaps in the vision. And I want you to get on board with it. I want you to be a part of it.